Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ, he is Steve, and Sony returns fire in episode 260 today, February 2nd, 2022. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the fact that Sony buys Bungie, so there's no need to fast forward whatsoever. However, before we get started, make sure you smush that subscription button and ring that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week every week. Having said that, it was only a couple of episodes ago, previous, previously on Joygasm where we were covering the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard. And that was a doozy in terms of it being a $68.7 billion acquisition. It was just absolutely ginormous, insane in the membrane, to quote a 90s reference. As it stands, however, we were, I would say, waiting with bated breath because... Surely Sony would have a response to something Mm. like this. And I got to say, it was pretty much uh, the perfect response, considering all that uh, Bungie symbolizes within the Xbox community. Wouldn't you say, Steve? Yeah, I would. But you know, Russ, uh, I got to think of that. This kind of stuff takes time. It doesn't happen right away. Like Sony just didn't, you know, figure out the story. Like we heard about it and go, Oh, we need to do something. Go buy a property, you know, and or go buy an IP. And then they rush over and like, uh, uh, bungee, you know, (laughs) they They, blindfold themselves. It's like spin the tail or what is it? Pin the tail on the donkey and they spin you around. Like they're spinning all the execs. You got this go, big go, sharp go, needle. Go, Billy, run amok. Uh, and a little game company's like, don't pick us up. They've got the donkey tail. <laughs> don't <gasps> get him in the eye. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he said this was a happy house. Oh, no. He said no one was going to get hurt with this game. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So... Sony didn't just go buy somebody. They've been talking for a while. I'm sure that these guys all go out for brewskis every once in a while and be like, hey, you hear that uh, so-and-so is considered buying up so-and-so? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, did you hear that other oh, so-and-so is there about buying up? You know, and then uh, your secrets and information gets exchanged, Russ. We might not hear about it right away. Well, I don't think that they're giving insider information just willy-nilly, but I do think, I, I think what you're trying to say is that there are various companies that are courting other companies for a while, but we just don't hear about it until after certain deals are done. Is that, is that what you're well, trying to what, say? Well, that's what always happens. Because I, I, I don't think Phil Spencer is going out and hanging out with Sony and be like, hey, guess no, what? No, <laughs> I'm, not saying, go I'm not saying Phil Spencer is, but no. I mean, like, you know, Phil Spencer knows the guys from Bungie. Sure. You know, um, and so, but I also think that, that some this is a world that we only see the light of yeah, once a story breaks or once we like have the game or we see a tweet or something like that. Indeed. But it doesn't mean like anybody's like just zip, zipping it and not talking about anything on their own time either. Yeah. Yeah. No, you actually touch upon something that I want to dive into, which oh. is the fact that over the past several years, you've been thinking about diving into a pit of jelly. No. Okay. No, no. 
I've been thinking, is that what you've been thinking? <laughs> yes. G- grape or <laughs> strawberry? Ooh, lime, actually. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you nice. have some key lime pie with that. There you go. Uh, but no, I, I, I was thinking about how mm. with this particular acquisition, so, you know, when it comes to the amount, because we haven't actually disclosed that, if you haven't heard, Sony acquired Bungie for $3.6 billion, which... You know, the number by itself is not as impressive as what Microsoft spent on Activision Blizzard to the tune of $68.7 billion. However, when you think about the relativity of everything, so, you know, Activision Blizzard were essentially like two publishers that also had like a bunch of like development under them. Uh Uh-huh. So it makes a lot of sense because you have multiple IPs and that sort of thing. Whereas with Bungie... Bungie is a single developer. They're not even a publisher. They now they've gone into this new space where they are self-publishing and that sort of thing because they left Activision a while ago. Right. But at the same time, they up until this point have only had the one IP of Destiny. So it is very impressive that they were able to negotiate an acquisition to the tune of $3.6 $3.6 billion for a single developer. I mean, that if you think about the ZeniMax Bethesda acquisition that, that Microsoft did, that was $7.5 billion. That's a lot. So, that, I mean, that literally for one developer, they got almost 50% of what ZeniMax Bethesda received during their particular acquisition. Having looked at that and basically marveled at it, because once again, it was one of those situations where... I see the news and all of a sudden, like I saw it this morning. I was like, what? And, the, and <laughs> <laughs> January has become the month of, of like specific days where I just, I was going to get a cup of coffee and I no longer need the cup of coffee. I mean, it happened when <laughs> take two interactive had acquired Zynga. It happened again with the Activision blizzard thing. And now it's happened again with Bungie. So I'm like, what are we going to acquire? <laughs> <laughs> so I took it upon myself just because we have covered the Activision Blizzard acquisition back when that first right. happened. That was a huge deal. Still is a huge deal. But then it got me thinking, I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to end anytime soon. In fact, I did some digging because I've honestly kind of forgotten about some of the previous acquisitions that have taken place just within the last handful of years. And I discovered that there really is a trend when it comes to acquiring studios. Have you? I have indeed. So I, I made like this, this big old list here that I wanted to go down. It's, I tried to put it in some semblance of order, but um, it's not exactly 100%. Anyway, you should be able to, to follow it regardless. But I first started out with, you know, looking at, at the year prior because there were a number of acquisitions that happened last year. In 2021, Sony acquired Insomniac Games for $229 million. Okay. Wow. So... You can see how much of an exponential jump in the acquisition prices just in, within one year. I mean, technically, it may not be a full year yet, but you take a talented studio like Insomniac Games, which, you know, they make Ratchet and Clank, they make Spider-Man, they made Sunset Overdrive. I mean, they are a talented Man, studio, that's right? That's crazy. 229 mil. Uh, and then in 2021, Sony also acquired Nixus Software... Housemark, which made Returnal, that was the the big sleeper hit, uh, one of the, one of the hits on Sony last year. Um, you have Fire Sprite Studios; they're the ones who made the Playroom demo that came with the PS5 with all that ah. in- innovative coolness. Right. 
Um, they acquired Blue Point Games, which was that they're like that they're known for all the game remakes uh, for PlayStation and whatnot. And Valkyrie Entertainment, which um, they also worked on God of War. They were kind of in a support right. capacity. So, I mean, Sony has been in the, this mode of acquiring throughout 2021, which, I mean, honestly, I kind of forgot about all that already. And, of course, 2021, Xbox acquired Zenimax Bethesda for $7.5 billion. Um, and then we've already talked about it and how in 2022, you've had Take-Two Interactive acquire Zynga for $12.7 billion. Then you had Xbox buying Activision Blizzard, $68.7 billion. Um, but then if I go back a little bit further, like if you recall, before 2021, Phil Spencer was up on the stage at E3 talking about how he had this campaign to really bolster kind of the, the first party stables of Xbox itself, of Xbox Studios. Right. I think that's when he bought uh, or he announced the acquisition of Playground Games, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Show. I, th I think it was, it was definitely um, in the mix because I think he was he was talking about, I think, five different types of new studios that they were making at that point in time. And one of the, the acquisitions acquisitions that they made was double fine productions, which makes psychonauts. Right. So Tim Schafer's studio then became part of Xbox as well. So yeah, like, like there's been a lot of this going on, even in, in um, the EA game side of things. I totally forgot about this. It la just last year, 2021, EA games bought Codemasters for $1.2 billion Glue Mobile, which makes all, I mean, they've been in the mobile gaming business for years. They have all kinds of games. They bought Glue Mobile for $2.1 billion. And then they also bought Playdemic for $1.4 billion. So, I mean, like in 2021, EA Games spent, what is that? Two, three, four. They spent about $4.7 billion. You know, again, this is not chum change, people. This is like a... <laughs> A lot of money that's going on. And Man. as a result, I mean, you're seeing all these different studios that we've enjoyed over the decades become increasingly consolidated within the these like very like finite amount of like behemoth publishers. So um, and then, you know, like like that's not all. Like if you think about Tencent, you know, um, the company who, you know, they ended up buying. I didn't know this. Um, but they bought, they straight up bought Riot Games in 2015. So they own League of Legends. Like Tencent now owns Riot Games wholly. I think before, like the, the, what I heard about was how they were a significant stakeholder in the company, but then I guess they ended up working out a deal and now- I'll just buy it all. <laughs> I mean, we're tired of this stakeholder business. I'm just not even thinking about it. So they did that and they bought, um, well, you'll recognize this company. Oh, will I? Supercell. What? Yeah. Tencent now owns Supercell. I think I did hear something about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, because, wow, I forgot all about it, but it's, I, I, I vaguely remember somebody buying Supercell, and Supercell's ginormous. They make billions of dollars every year. Well, and they make your favorite little mobile game. What's it called, yeah, Steve? Clash of Clan, Clash Royale. Mm -hmm. They actually make uh, a couple other games too, like Heyday and like, uh, I think it was Boom Beach. Uh -huh. That one I really care for. I don't really care for those other ones, but they, they make a few games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they are a recognizable entity for sure. They are. Yeah, Supercell's awesome. So that that's kind of like a quick synopsis of like what's been going on within the last handful of years. Um, so we can we can talk more about that in a bit, but I thought we could once we're getting that kind of picture established. Right. 
peaches. I'm not sure what that is. Cantaloupes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you derailed me. Sorry about that. Uh, pivoting from whatever that was to um, the Sony bungee details. So I, I basically went through all these different articles um, and, and just kind of sifted out some of the, 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 the zingers, so to speak. So I thought I would go through all this. GameIndustry.biz mm. reported that following the deal, Bungie will run as, quote, an independent subsidiary right. of Sony Interactive Entertainment and will remain a multi-platform studio with the option to, quote, self-publish and reach players where they choose to play, sure. end quote. Then that's similar to what uh, happened with Microsoft by uh, Activision, they were saying that it's not like their games. Like Call of Duty is not going to be exclusive to Microsoft. Like you're not, you can't, you're not just going to be able to play Call of Duty on a Xbox. Like you're going to be able to play it multi-platform. I think this one is a bit different because Microsoft straight up acquired Activision and Blizzard, mm -hmm. and they they made a point to come out and say how the pre-existing Call of Duty games will honor their contracts, basically, like their commitments and contracts that they've already signed on the dotted line. So all of the, the current standard Call of Duty games, yes, they will be multiplayer, but I have a feeling in the future, and again, th this kind of hints at, it's all about like like dissecting the details between the, these quotes, right? Like, both parties in this instance are having words that are very much in this, this honeymoon period, right? Like, like they're very excited to be with each other. They have a kumbaya attitude about how um, gamers shouldn't worry regardless of which console you have or that you favor, how these games will always be available uh, for, for your respective systems. However, I think that they are being very calculating in terms of how they wordsmith these press releases, because I think once again, legally they, there's, there's really nothing they can do. Like, like if there are contracts that are already signed for certain games, they have to honor those contracts and they can wordsmith it to make them look like, Oh, look how thoughtful that person right. is. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to carry that forward in future games. I, I remember reading something, I'm, just, I'm telling you, I remember reading something on when, when that happened and this happened where people are saying, hey, it's not a console war anymore. It's yeah. more of a content war. That's why I've seen like a quote in, in both. IGN uh, uh, had an article that they, they titled that. They said they were talking about a content war. But we honestly, we talked about that too. I mean, I was even talking about how this is turning more into like a Netflix type of situation where it's all about the Game Pass, right? You have the Xbox Game Pass. And I think um, there's a very strong possibility um, that Sony may have their own version of a Game Pass that intentionally will be available on multiple platforms because at the end of the day, content is king, right? Like if they can get people to play their specific games from their specific game pass, all that money is getting funneled to that particular company. And, or if there's other stuff to buy, like skins and weapons and, you know, whatever, whatnot DLC, oh, sure. then it would be smart to have multiple systems play the game. Because if you only go, okay, well, you know, we're going to divide the, the community in half and only going to take money from this side. Mm -hmm. This side is screwed. You know, we're like, we're not, we don't want you, we don't want your money at all. 
it would make sense to say, hey, we're going to still make the game. We'll funnel money to to Bungie. And but I mean, we're going to let that content still go to the other side of the aisle to Microsoft because their players still like to play, of course, uh, Destiny. Mm -hmm. And we want their money, too. I mean, they would be it would be wrong and probably not good business savvy just to exclude certain amount of consumers just because they don't have a PlayStation, uh, you know, a PlayStation, they have uh -huh. a Microsoft underneath their TV. I have some additional quotes here. So this one is from Sony Interactive Entertainment President, CEO Jim Ryan, quote, we've had a strong partnership with Bungie since the inception of the Destiny franchise, and I couldn't be more thrilled to officially welcome the studio to the PlayStation family, end quote. In the official PlayStation blog post, Ryan begins by confirming Bungie's independence with another quote saying, I want to be very clear to the community that Bungie will remain an independent and multi-platform studio and publisher. Ryan also says uh, that Bungie will quote, sit alongside the PlayStation studios organization in quote, uh, where apparently these two groups will collaborate. Now in a separate blog post, Bungie detailed what the acquisition means for the company itself calling SIE, quote, a partner who unconditionally supports us and all we are and who wants to accelerate our vision to create generation-spanning entertainment, all while preserving the creative independent that beats in Bungie's heart, end quote. Um, I have one more here I want to talk about, too. In the, the full Game Industry Biz interview with Ryan and Bungie CEO Pete Parsons, which was published after Christopher Dring's tweets. And Christopher Dring's, he, he's, uh, he works over at Game Industry. He's been with that. He's a head sure. culture there. Um, Ryan said that Sony has many more moves to make. He also talked about Sony's ambition to grow its live services and grow beyond PlayStation's, quote, historic console heartland. So all those quotes have, you know... Uh, you can tell that that there is a desire to want to set expectations out the gate. Like there's been a lot of handshaking, a lot of backdoor, backroom talks. And now that it's gone public, you can tell that they are, first of all, that they're, they're trying to address any concerns that the gaming community has with sure. this deal. But I think also they're wanting to be able to in a very diplomatic fashion, but in a very public press release fashion, like a paper trail fashion, they want to be able to set the tone and set expectations with each other. So that there isn't any kind of mistake at all, even though they have it, I'm sure in writing and there are army of lawyers from both sides have like scrutinized the contract and stuff. It is very interesting how Bungie in particular is very vocal about maintaining their independence as someone who will continue um, or not someone, but like an entity that will continue to self publish their, their games and make the own, make their own games that they are interested in making in the first place. And I think of their previous relationships that they've had with Microsoft and with Activision. Cause if you recall, right. you know, back in the day, it was no secret about how, like when they worked over um, at Microsoft on Halo, they got burned out, right? Like, like they just, they were making Halo game after Halo game. <laughs> All of their Halo games were fantastic, but they wanted to do something else. However, Microsoft um, was hesitant to put them on anything else because it was just this cash machine. And so they were able to, to make some sort of negotiation to leave Microsoft and leave them with the Halo license. And then they start working on destiny and they were actually, I remember this, they were by themselves at first and then 
accepted a, a kind of an acquisition, well, not really acquisition, but like a, a partnership with Activision, in which case they, they were uh, with Activision largely for um, a long time with the whole Destiny franchise before then also breaking away from Activision and going solo once more. So I think as a result, they have gotten a lot of industry experience on that side of things when it comes to working with publishers. And they probably have many stipulations as a result that they probably presented with Sony saying, okay, if you want to acquire us, these are the stipulations that are, uh, you know, basically non-negotiable. If you say no to any of them, then, then it will be a deal breaker. And because Bungie is one of the best studios in the industry and because Sony really, really wants them badly, they said, okay. And so I say good for Bungie because hopefully it will allow them to continue doing what they're doing without any kind of like outside forces applying unnecessary pressure. Like, you know, we've seen that in the past with other studios like Bioware, for instance, you and I are very excited about Anthem to come out, but then all of a sudden we get it and we realize this is not the game that was advertised. And then all of a sudden you start to find out why it wasn't the game that was sold. And it was because of EA basically like being EA. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh, wait, we have a, we have a foot. We haven't shot yet. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) This little piggy stayed home. Uh, (laughs) The whole family of piggies (laughs) just stayed in for the night. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, I lost my place momentarily. However, let's see. Let me let me go back down here real quick. Okay. There was an additional quote I would like to cover with Sony's president, CEO, Jim Ryan. Quote, I've been on record talking about increasing the size of the PlayStation community and expanding beyond our historic console heartland. This can take many forms. We are starting to go multi-platform. You've seen that. We have an aggressive roadmap with live services and the opportunity to work with and particularly learn from the brilliant and talented people from Bungie. That is going to considerably accelerate the journey we find ourselves on, end quote. Now that by itself is a strong indication of what they're wanting to do. They essentially are wanting to, to continue going down this, uh, this path of, of exploring a live service. What does live service mean to you, Steve? Well, nothing else other than a Game Pass type thing, right? Ding, ding, ding! Right. What have we got for him, Johnny? Or could be like a specific, like competitive Bungie Destiny kind of, you know, uh, competition, mm-hmm. live competition just uh-huh. for Destiny. Uh-huh. E- uh, kind of like esports, Russ, just for Destiny. Well, another uh, little tidbit, another uh, little detail is that Bungie apparently is working on a brand new IP in addition to Destiny. Yeah, that's probably where a lot of this deal started to come in, Russ, is mm. because Destiny's already out there. People play it on PlayStation. People play it on Xbox. People play it on PC. And so, but what else are they doing? What else are they brewing? You know what I mean? It's been a while since they have come out with something brand spanking. Well, but that's to be expected just because when they were first announcing destiny, I remember them talking about their roadmap saying how Mm. they were planning to support that game for at least 10 years. But what else are they going to do? Oh, I mean, they they have destiny, but they got to do some other stuff. I mean, like rockstar has GTA, but they do other stuff besides GTA. Right. But I think too, like you have to look at 
where um, you know Rockstar Games got its start versus where Bungie got its start. You know, if you think about how Rockstar, you know, they <laughs> started, you know, they started working on, on multiple <laughs> different types of GTAs. Bungie wow. started working on Halos. Well, mm-hmm. Bungie left Microsoft, so they no longer work on Halo. They worked on the next IP, which is Destiny. If you think about yeah, I mean, Rockstar Games had has more IPs that they have they've generated. They have like Red Dead Redemption, which is like you know, okay, there, there's sure. there's their destiny, right? Whatever. And but on top of that, you know, they made Bully, and they Bully, they yeah. made um, oh, what was that one I loved? It was the 1940s detective. Oh, uh, oh gosh, yes, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it now. I can see it now. Uh, noir, no, something noir. Film noir? No, L.A. Noir. L.A. Noir. L.A. So anyway, it's not like they have like a huge treasure trove more than than Bungie does. And also, too, I actually appreciate what Bungie has done with their commitment to games like Destiny in the sense that they didn't just like half bake the game and then abandon it. You know, I I think that we've been victims as gamers in other instances, (coughs) Anthem and others where like, you know, we were some on me there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Non-COVID germs. Mm -hmm. Still gross. Mm -hmm. Following a news of the acquisition, Bungie released a Q&A addressing some common questions players and fans might have for the future of the company. One of the big questions is whether Bungie's future games, currently in development, a.k.a. the brand new IP, Ah. will become PlayStation exclusives, to which Bungie responds flatly, no. Yet a new wrinkle in the story, folks. New wrinkle in your forehead. Quote, no, we want the worlds we are creating to extend to anywhere people play games. We will continue to be self-published, creatively independent, and we will continue to drive one unified Bungie community, end quote. So once again, even the new IP they're working Mm. on, they have full intentions, at least according to these quotes here that have been very vocal, they are going to also plan to have it be multi-platform. It will not be a Sony exclusive. Yeah. You're not going to see Microsoft going to go world premiere and then show a, a bungee game. That's all going to be Sony in years to come, Russ. That's all going to be on the Sony booth. Well, I, don't, I have no idea, Steve. I have no idea. I'm sure. I'm That's sure. That's my idea. I'm sure Xbox will have their own world premieres. <laughs> Just not for Bungie. <laughs> not, no, not, not from Bungie, no. No, no. So... Um, some other stuff that I thought was worth covering too is that mm. Destiny 2 fans were quick to observe that Bungie's roadmap doesn't preclude uh, timed exclusives for PlayStation platforms. There was one particular quote that um, IGN actually surfaced from someone on Reddit said, quote, if Bungie goes back to that year-long PlayStation exclusivity BS, <laughs> oh, what's <laughs> that mean? Well, I, yeah. <laughs> Without the uh, the abbreviation. Bullsh Nikes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. Imagine them doing that crap with entire dungeons or raids, end quote. So, you know, the Bungie community also, uh, specifically the Destiny community is also, you know, let's just say they are, are there's a lot of uh, little chit chat going mm. on on the, the Reddits. Yeah. On the Reddits. Because some obviously, type-age. I think some folks are understandably excited for the deal. <laughs> I think some folks are understandably concerned about 
this deal as well. And really like they just want to be able to know what their gaming future looks like. So I'm sure that uh, with Bungie being pretty good about listening to its own community, you know, it'll be interesting to see like how they go down this path. Did your notes say anything about uh, how much money destiny has been making? Everything they've been selling, like, you know, of course the game, but I mean, all the DLCs is. No. Do you happen to know those numbers off the top of your head? Uh, I read something. I don't know how accurate it is. Well, I, we don't want to be uh, talking about any inaccurate information. Toss some yeah. ideas around, though, can't we? Uh, try not to speculate uh, too much. Uh, I like to speculate, though, Russ. <laughs> what I read was $100 million. Wait, that's not a lot of money in 2022. I know. $100 billion! <laughs> Actually, I read it was like $100 million. $100 million? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I I, I didn't say it if, if it's specified just for like 2021 or like all of, of Destiny 2 being out, but it said it was, it was about 100. Destiny 2 has made about 100 million bucks. Do you recall which website you saw this on? I could find it for you. Sure. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Get a link it to the bottom. Uh, that's a good idea there, Steve. Right down here. That's a good idea. Okay, so let us now focus a bit on the Bungie new IP. Because mm-hmm. I was able to find out a little bit of uh, info on that. Have so you? Bungie is currently developing a new franchise. Last we heard, the studio is hoping to become a multi-franchise company by 2025. So mm. you see, they, they got these like long-term sure. goals, which is great. Meaning Bungie is aiming to have at least one new franchise to go along Destiny 2. And Destiny 2, for that matter, will also remain multi-platform. And Bungie released a roadmap like we d- talked about uh, a little bit ago, uh, detailing the future of the franchise after Sony's acquisition. The studio recently expanded its headquarters with plans to, to, quote, tell new stories in the Destiny universe and create entirely new worlds in to-be-announced IPs, end quote. So Bungie's plans, uh, you know, are, are not necessarily secret in terms of what it is that, uh, at least from a high-level standpoint of what they're doing, you know, we, we have kind of a, a general overview of what they intend to mm. do. So what do you think about that, Steve? Well, I would like to see something new come out of Bungie besides Destiny. Oh, me too. I'm just saying, like, I really, really enjoyed when Bungie was making the Halos. I feel like, you know, 343's had really had to kind of get their ducks in a row to make a, a good Halo, and it's taken them years to do it. Sure. Rather, Bungie just went, okay, we have a great idea, and everyone's on board, and let's go for it, and I've enjoyed every Halo game they've made. So they they have talent. Uh, I just never really got on the, the whole Destiny train, but mm-hmm. I'd like to see them make something new. Yeah. Something else. So, I mean, if they come up with more Destiny stuff, I mean, I'm, you know, Destiny has its own community for that. They'll be excited. I'm just going to kind of be, you know, ho-hum about it. I I remember we played Destiny 2, like the beta. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, I was kind of curious. And we played with Big Baby Moose and he had a, just a laundry list of stuff he was telling us about it and mm-hmm. how great it was. I'm like, okay, cool, man. You love that game. Mm-hmm. And we love you. Um, But then I started playing the game on my own after, you know, I got some... Hardware that could support it the way Indeed. I wanted it to. And uh, I just couldn't uh, get on the bandwagon. Well, and that's perfectly fair. I mean, like, you know, 
you're not going to absolutely be in love with every single game that you play. And, sure. and I understand like, you know, destiny as a franchise is not a game that has hooked me necessarily either, but it has legions of fans. There sure. are a lot of people who are very happy with both destiny one and destiny two. And uh, I'm sure, you know, as long as Bungie continues to, to support them, hmm. then uh, they'll be pleased as pie. Pleased as peaches. Yes. Now, I realize that we we haven't really talked really about the sting of this, which is, you know, obviously Bungie used to be with Microsoft sure. working on the Halo games. Sure. They designed and created one of our absolute favorite mm-hmm. franchises in gaming history. Mm-hmm. We have spent, I don't even know how many countless hours playing the various Halo games. And so it's interesting, you know, I I recall when we were talking about Activision Blizzard being acquired by Xbox, Mm -hmm. specifically Crash Bandicoot, and how that was a a mascot that was was pretty synonymous with Sony. And this is definitely like, I don't know, it's a shrewd calculating move in many different ways from Sony to, to do this. But I, I think what, that is one of the big ones that, you know, I think any Xbox gamer has kind of opined and wished for Bungie to eventually make the, their their triumphant return back to Microsoft. Not necessarily to, to make Halo games, although they could. But That's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> but just to be able to like, you know, it's 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 like you know the the prodigal son has returned. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and now we just uh, for the foreseeable future will will not see that. And I I can't help but think about like man, like that's. That, that's a that's a little bit of a sting. What do you what do you think there? It may be a sting, but it's almost a sting that's irrelevant in a way because Bungie sold Halo. I mean, they're not getting it. I mean, I guess it, anything could happen. They could get it back, but uh, Microsoft owns Halo. I mean, I'm, well, I'm just saying, like they could. They Microsoft could have bought Bungie. They could have come back and said, "Hey, we're going to let you work on this now. We're going to pay you a buttload <laughs> of money." And they, I mean, sure that that could happen, but I didn't see it happening again. Yeah. I mean, because they they were like, I watched videos. They were burnt out on Halo. Like, we want to do something completely different. Which I don't. I don't really see Destiny as being that much completely sure. different, to be honest. But uh, I, I mean, digress. Destiny, Destiny has. I mean, they have a number of things that do separate it from, sure. from Halo. Right. Um. But anyway, so they're done with it. That's why they sold it to 343. And so to think that, to associate Halo now with Bungie, I mean, in the past, yes, but in the the future going forward, no. And Mm. so they didn't, so Sony didn't really steal it from from Microsoft at all. Because it's been, it's been years. Nothing's happened. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like them stealing it from Microsoft because or again, swiping it like swiping it underneath. Essentially, Microsoft. like if, if there was a company that Bungie would agree to like go to, I think that there are a lot of Xbox gamers out there that have been kind of fantasizing in their own way about like, man, like can you imagine how cool it'd be if Bungie were to return and like you know who cares like what game they're working on, but just. 
I think just because the original Xbox system was launched. Sure. And Halo Combat Evolved was one of the launch games that launched with it. And, and again, they were with Microsoft for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I want to say it was probably like 10 years somewhere around there. I mean, they, they were there. Speculation, like Speculation, Russ? No, not. I mean, like, <laughs> well, like the Xbox system, I think, came out in 2001. And I want to say they left Xbox slash Microsoft around like 2010, right around there. So, I mean, it it was, and then if you, if you figure, you know, the, the development time before Halo came out with the system, yeah, you're talking about 10 years. So I think that's where it comes in is that there's a lot of, of um, fawning and admiration and just gratefulness that a lot of these, these gamers had with regards to Bungie. So Sony doing that. And again, also it's calculating because Sony knows that like all of this stuff exists. And so for them to, to pull Bungie in, that's just one additional uh, facet to like, you know, or I should say even like incentive for Sony to do what they've done. But I mean, it's, it is, I mean, it was the funniest thing because I remember when the Activision Blizzard acquisition occurred and I posted um, on Twitter, it was like, I think it was on actually Xbox's announcement tweet. I said, your move, Sony. And my goodness, like that was like quite a move. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, but um, okay. So now let us also pivot from that to talking about the, the main question steve the the big elephant in the room okay 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 the main question is which studio is next well russ (laughs) i got something that's probably not nice to say but i'm gonna say it anyways is it rated g maybe pg Ooh. Um, <laughs> living on the edge. Provocative. <laughs> I'm going to say whatever studio. If, I, if I'm going to find a theme so far, mm. it's going to be like these scandals going on Scandal. in the studios. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you know, Bungie had something going on that's not as big as like Blizzard, you know, going on, but they still Activision, had their own yeah. little stuff. I'm going to say if there's another studio who's having a scandal, they're next on the list, Russ. They're next on the list. They're going to be next on the list. Now, to be fair, like all of those other studios that I was listening at the the top of the show mm. didn't necessarily have the type of, or at least to the magnitude yeah. of issues. Magnitude. That, <laughs> magnitude. <laughs> so, but no, I think that perhaps a more accurate way yeah. of saying it is that companies that are in a weakened or vulnerable state sure. could be the next ones on the list. I would say a very desirable one, uh, knowing how Microsoft purchased Activision Blizzard and everything they own, <laughs> I would say EA would be on a pretty high list. No, knowing that everything that's under the EA umbrella, if they bought it, mm-hmm. Either company, Sony or Microsoft, that would be ginormous acquisition, Russ. Hmm. Think of all that content they would have if they bought EA. That would be expensive. That'd be some money. 
It would be expensive. And I can't remember if, if we mentioned this when we were talking about the Activision Blizzard acquisition or not, but if I were to picture EA at like the, the negotiation table, I would expect them to really be requiring mm, yes. um, a ridiculous sum of money. Uh-huh. Um, which is interesting when I think about it because it wouldn't necessarily be solely based on like the, the, the games in their stable that, that they mm-hmm. all own, but it's almost like they also want the bragging rights to be able to go onto social media and issue press releases about how, you know, forget that $68.7 billion from Activision Blizzard. We got acquired for $500 billion. <gasps> What's up? You know, like, like I could totally see them doing something like that. That'd be terrible. I mean, you definitely don't want to brag about how much you bought a company for. I'm like, you, you want to know that, like, well, no, no, there's not, a win-win. Or are you talking about, like, EA's bragging yeah, about how they yeah. got bought, right? Which is kind of funny in its own way, but sorry, go ahead. Um, but still, I mean, I would say, I don't know. I, I, I think that one would be on the table. I really do. I don't think EA necessarily wants to be bought, but I think if the right number was out there, Maybe a, a hundred b- 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 billion. Oh man, that's a lot of money. Godly, that's a lot of money though. It really is. You know, gosh, you. It's like once you reach a certain point, the number is just all of a sudden. You're just like, how do I calculate yeah. that? How much money do you have? Like, I mean, even like the the, the two hundred twenty five <laughs> million dollars. I mean, like two hundred twenty five million dollars is a lot of money. And then you go from that to something like $3.6 billion. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, yeah. those are billions. That's a B as in boy, that's billions of dollars. And then it goes on from there and it's just insane. I did want to also mention that um, with regards to Tencent mm. that they also currently have a 40% stake in Epic Games, mm. which I think the only thing that's, that's preventing them from just basically like buying them out is I think the founder has like some sort of setup, some sort of legal setup where like he is like the majority stakeholder. So, but I mean, that goes to show how, you know, Tencent once again is one of those entities that has identified these AAA studios and are essentially are like these financial backers. So it's, it's pretty interesting to see how, how all of these relationships kind of work themselves out. Were you going to say something? There, I, well, I was, actually going to go back to one of my other, uh, my previous point, which also was going to be um, with these acquisitions. Yes. Yes. There are the big name games mm-hmm. kind of rhymed a little bit, uh, but it's also the mobile games that they own. <laughs> he never told me he was a poet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Just a Shakespeare over here. I know. Um, <laughs> willing me. No. Um, cause a lot of these mobile games and these smaller games, they uh, actually, some of them make more money than the bigger games, the bigger title ones. Sure. I mean, the titles like, for example, I had a, a, a guy I used to work with. He started working for, um, Microsoft. Okay. And he was saying that you know, like Halo makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. but like Microsoft makes more money in some of the smaller games like solitaire or something. Right. Like all of Halo, which makes like zero sense to me. But then again, I'm not seeing the numbers come through. 
I don't even know what to buy in solitaire. But apparently, <laughs> maybe it's ads or something. Who knows? But some of these smaller companies who make just basic games, they charge these small little fees to play. But if you have millions of players who are all dumping $5 here, $5 here, multiplied yeah. by the tens of millions, that's going to make a buttload of cash. Ooh. And if you, I mean, and there's some pretty big butts out there, Russ. Is it stinky? No. Oh. Not at all. Smells like petunias? Um, Banaka, yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, like EA, for example, don't they, don't they, I mean, you would know this more than me, but I mean, don't they have a lot of these small, you know, mobile game companies? No, they, they do. I, and actually, so um, when it comes to the, the mobile platform, they have emerged as quite the audience. Mm -hmm. and, and it's something that I think a lot of folks early on could see happening in the future. Um, I remember back around 2009, 2010, uh, I was working on some iPhone games at the time. Oh, and, yeah? and that was not too far hmm. beyond when like the whole like app store became a thing. Steve hmm. Jobs was pushing in everything else. Right. And the thing was, is back then you didn't have the installed base of users yet. Like everybody right. was, was still in that process of like getting to know the iPhone and like, Oh, he, we have this thing called podcasts. <laughs> I just want to get my flame. My candle flame is like a wave yeah. in the air. And concerts. <laughs> Watch the accelerometer. I can like open my, my lighter and close it. Yeah. Open it. Close it. Wait, wait, I can, I can turn it on. <laughs> I just want to buy ringtones. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I, but I think that that was yeah. actually one of the main topics at GDC, actually, oh. you had a lot of the, the game industry leaders talking about, okay, you know, even though it's 2009, 2010, right around now, let's look 10 years ahead. Right. And these are the projections that we are seeing. And at the time, it I think it was hard for a lot of both developers and gamers alike, you know, the hardcore gamers, uh, when it came to console and PC, to think about, okay, is there a place for gaming on mobile? Be just because everybody has been conditioned to like, you know, you have your, your box in front of your TV, right? Whether it's an Xbox sure. or PlayStation or PC, or whatever. And you got your, you know, keyboard and mouse or you have your controller and on the phone, you don't have those things. So how on earth can they make this right. actually successful? Well, as time has gone on, there actually has been a tremendous installed base that has been accruing over the years. Right. And what's interesting is that a lot of them are casual gamers. That's and right. You do have more, some, you know, some of the, the hardcore gamers that, that do play mobile. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, like you were saying, like the solitaire, the poker, all the, those like type of like casual games mm -hmm. has generated a, a, a ton of money. And just like what I was talking about earlier in the show, EA, you know, they acquired glue mobile. They acquired that other one. I can't remember the name of, um, but like they also had um, certain games like Peggle that they, you know, originally it was for console and then they made a mobile version of it. So yeah, they've been in the mobile game now for quite some time. If you think about take two interactive just this past month, they acquired Zynga sure. and Zynga has been in mobile gaming for a long time. So what you're, what we're all seeing is this, identifier that the, these behemoth publishers have made where they're like, okay, we need to have some sort of presence in this space. So did you say who you thought was going to be acquired next Russ? I know you asked me, but did you give your 50 cents? No. <laughs> it's difficult to know 
for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wrote down a list. First of all, this this is becoming mm. a challenge mm. because there have been so many acquisitions occurring as of late. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, well, who's left? Yeah. That's kind of interesting to think about because, okay, first of all, if you think of like a pie chart of the, of the publishers that now, you know, kind of make up the overall pie, you have Microsoft Game Studios or basically Xbox Studios. Yeah. You have Sony. Uh-huh. You have EA Games, uh-huh. Ubisoft, mm-hmm. uh, Tencent. Uh, there's a huge one, and I can't remember the, the name wow. of it off the top of my head. Sounds amazing. But no, I mean, like, I was blown away by the, the sheer number of developers that they have underneath there. But, um, you know, Square Enix is in there. But like you, you look at, at everyone and you realize like, my goodness, like there aren't, you know, a tremendous amount of like of these behemoth publishers left. And so, you know, I'm looking at, at like, okay, well, there's Ubisoft, there's EA Games, there's Take-Two Interactive, Square Enix. Oh, I mean, WB Interactive is another one. Sure. Another publisher as well. I It's difficult to say because, I mean, I look at these, I don't necessarily think that EA would be next on the list. I think honestly, EA really enjoys its autonomy and its ability to be a publisher and not be owned by a bigger entity. What about Capcom? Well, Steve, we'll get there in a second. Oh, come on. You, you just love to buzz Man, all I'm just gonna over the narrative. Here. Man, I like to fly. Oh, I just want to fly. ADD over here. My goodness. Ad. It's, um, it's difficult to say for sure. You know, part of me thinks that Square Enix could be on the docket just because, once again, they have the Final Fantasy series. Sure. And if we think about, like, every time that there is some sort of new Final Fantasy game that comes out, you have both Microsoft and Sony really aggressively going mm-hmm. after, like, you know, oh, we, we get the, the exclusive first-year contract, you know, or, or we get, like, whatever kind of, like, DLC drops and stuff first, mm-hmm. or maybe they're able to have... Like the game just be exclusive to their particular console, but mm. in any event, like like that is something that I do think about. And you know, in addition to um, like the, like the Final Fantasy series and the treasure trove of other RPGs that they offer, they also have Tomb Raider because they have Crystal Dynamics. That's true, Russ. So I mean, like, there's I mean, that is something that I could see being a possibility. I also think that you know, I think Take Two Interactive is a desirable publisher to, to also go after. I don't know if they're necessarily next, but I mean, when I think once again, you know, they own the GTA franchise. It's like we talked about before. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest successful IP. I mean, that game alone has generated billions of dollars. I'd be curious to know if Fortnite, and this may be the case, Fortnite may have eclipsed GTA in terms of how much revenue they've generated. I don't know that for certain, but it would be interesting to, to do a, a cross analysis of that. Mm. But in addition to that, they have like the NBA 2K series. They have the Biohazard series. They have um, the Godfather or Mafia or whatever it was. You, you've played some of those games, right? I have, yeah. Rest of the, yeah, Mafia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they have a number of, of properties mm. under uh, their belt that I think would also be ripe. Um, especially now that they have Zynga as well, because mm. again, by the, having that already like expertise installed base within mm. the mobile area, 
it's definitely you know not without the realm of possibility. Like if I look at this list and I look at like Ubisoft, EA, Take Two, yeah. Square, WB. Now WB Interactive, I feel like would be in a little bit more of a funkier position just because they did that whole like bait and switch thing. Like, hey, we're gonna sell. So no, we're not. And everyone's like, oh, I got my money. Oh, <laughs> I do think it's worth noting, by the way, Steve. Yes, Russell. that I was also looking at an article that talked about Microsoft's oh. approved budget for acquisitions. Mm. Yes. Apparently they've only spent half of the approved budgets for acquisitions, which if that article is correct, that means they have another $60 billion that's burning a hole in their corporate pocket that they're going to want to spend. It's hot. Ooh, that's fire. Right there, at 60 bills. But I mean, how long is that? Okay, so the budget's good for like what? Okay, we have a budget for 10 years. No, 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 no. See, see, this is the this is what's really fun about this kind of thing, Steve. Typically in the corporate world, when uh, you finally get the green light to yeah. have a budget approved, well, that budget is in fact <gasps> approved. Now, the thing is, is that but for how long? Well, I was gonna I was gonna get to the fact that like sometimes you have to be able to spend that budget within an a lot amount of time because then like if you don't, then like your future budgets will be decreased and that sort of thing. And everybody gets all the executives get brand new furniture. But right. let's let's uh, again, okay. I will <laughs> play along in this instance of speculating. Okay. Oh. We try not to speculate too much in the really? show. Really? Yeah. But think about it. Let's say, for instance, Microsoft has one year to be able to, mm. to spend their entire budget on acquisitions. Mm. Well, $60 billion. Now, again, mm. if I'm looking at a company like EA, honestly, I don't know if EA would go for that. However, if I'm looking at like Square Enix or I'm looking at Take-Two Interactive... I don't know. That sounds, uh, you know, at least worth having a, a conversation, you know? That's true. But that's just me. I'm not uh, privy to all of the the insider talk. But, uh, but isn't that nuts? That's 100, what was it, 68? Yeah, 68.7 bill. Yeah, they had over $112, $113 billion to spend. Somewhere around there. My goodness. Boy. Imagine having that expense report. <laughs> Woo. Okay, everybody's eating steak tonight and desserts. Oh we don't goodness. want any. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. We're going to acquire And you're going to have seconds. <laughs> and you're going to bring some home <laughs> to the kids. To the kiddos. <laughs> now, again, oh. those are just the publishers. Right. What about the developers that are left? I know. Again, you got to pick something, Rose. Well, I'm just trying to think of who's left. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, suck it in, boy. Stop sucking in. me. <gasps> okay. Now, this list is very short. So, the developers themselves, so you have Epic Games, which again, Epic Games shouldn't mm. necessarily be on the list just because yeah. Tencent already has 40% stake mm -hmm. in the company. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So, you have Play Dead. If you recall, Play Dead Games, they're, they're the ones who made Limbo and Inside. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Awesome developer. I could totally see Fantastic. either Sony or Microsoft being interested. Right. Um, and especially, I think, you know, I don't, I can't recall if um, 
Limbo and Inside were Xbox exclusive, or if if they came out on on Sony as well. I think they were just Xbox exclusive. Hmm. I think. We'll have to look into that. Also, Crytek. Hmm. And I don't know if you've played much of um, Crytek games or or not, but, uh, you know, they have the CryEngine. Yeah. Cry, is CryEngine different than Cryware? Uh, well, Cry, I don't know. Which Cryin <laughs> made the, uh, oh gosh. What's Their the, games uh, are so beautiful, they make me cry. Oh. Do they, Rise? No, you just they, saying that. Okay, so they made Rise, Son of Rome. That's what I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rise, Son of Grave. That would be Altered Beast. No, remember that one. Uh, anyway, their their CryEngine is known for actually like really putting systems and stuff to the test. And actually, when I was playing games back in the day as well, yeah, um, I remember. My goodness, some of the, the best looking games ever. Now, what was interesting is if you recall, they're kind of okay. You want to talk about um, like studios or companies that are in a, a vulnerable state? Yes, Rise Son of Rome. Um, really didn't do as well as they they thought they were going to do. And Microsoft was the one who published that particular title. They made a deal with um, Crytek. Mm. And ever since then, I think they've kind of been on the struggle bus financially and everything else. And so it's like, okay, well, you know, you have the talent, <laughs> you know, there. You have the engine already good right. to go. Like, you can clearly use that engine on any one of the IPs that your other studios are working on as well if you want to share the tech. That could be a possibility. Mm. Um, and then CD Projekt Red. Yeah, I was thinking about that. That would be huge. Especially after this. Well, we'll see what happens after the uh, the patch, yeah, the patch comes out to make the game look good on all the systems. But um, but yeah, CD Projekt Red would be, that'd be big. Yeah. That'd be pretty darn big. Woo. They're hot. Yeah. You got the the Witcher series, then you have Cyberpunk 2077, you have Gwent, then they have some other brand new IP they're working on as well. Can't wait. Exciting. So, I mean, there are, but again, that's a small list. That's a short list. And again, obviously I didn't find every single one of like, like, you know. Of course, Russ. Most sought after, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, as I was putting together and I was thinking about it, I was like, my goodness, like there have been several of these studios that I mean we've both enjoyed the the games from and they no longer are independent like they are now acquired hmm. also what is interesting is if you look at um, like a pie chart of the Activision Blizzard um, you know just joining of the Xbox family someone had posted that like they did some research and they showed the amount of employees that each one of Xbox's studios contains. And they turned it into a pie chart. And what's crazy is, is that Activision Blizzard totally, like there's no, there's no competition or comparison. They are the lion's share now of staff that are part of the Xbox stable. And I want to say they have somewhere in the vicinity of like 10,000 employees. Ooh. So when you look at like all like you look at three four three eh, little sliver, if you look at playground games, ah, little sliver. You know, you just go through all these, and you're just like, my goodness, like they have so many people over there, and you can see why. My goodness, like sixty eight point seven billion dollars. That also probably played a bit of a role in that decision making. A lot of salaries over there. A lot of mm. salaries. Oh my goodness. 
Now, I do have some questions I put together really quick, one of which you alluded to earlier, which is, what about... I'm listening. (laughs) What about Japanese developers? I asked you that last time. That's what I just said. That's what I said. What about the Japanese developers, Russ? Well, it's interesting to me that so far we have been seeing largely these these American developers that are American. getting <laughs> American uh, developers <laughs> getting acquired, but we yeah. really haven't seen any activity on um, the Japanese side. Mm. And so, you know, we talked about once again during the Activision Blizzard acquisition that Sony really enjoys uh, a healthy margin ahead of Xbox in Japan. Like the, the Japanese gaming community really, really loves Sony. And so I think that does make sense logically that Sony wouldn't necessarily be as aggressive going after some of these Japanese studios because they already, I mean, they're a success story in Japan, which leaves Xbox, which again, Hmm. you know, Xbox has always had a rough time establishing itself in Japan. Well, one of those possible antidotes is being able to bring in Namco, Mm-hmm. Capcom, mm-hmm. Konami, mm-hmm. From Software. Mm-hmm. Although I think From Software may be in the Sony camp now. Mm. It's, it's so hard to keep track. There's a lot of this merging going on, you know. But uh, yeah, mm. there's a lot of that going on, Steve. A lot. Are there yeah, any other yeah, Japanese so. studios you can think mm. of, Steve? Sega. You are correct. Sega would be another one. Mm. Golly, could you remember? Okay. What was Imagine if Nintendo all of a sudden got in on the on the acquisition train and they Oof. ended up acquiring Sega. Can even that is just I don't know, like like these types of scenarios, like it, like if we were to talk about this just like six months ago or mm-hmm. something, I'd be like, no, that would never happen. What are you talking about? It's Especially so given like the lineage of like during the eight bit, sixteen bit days and that sort of thing. Can you? I mean, and it was it was crazy enough to see a game like Sonic the Hedgehog appear for the Nintendo Switch. I'm like, what? This is a Twilight Zone. Like, I never thought I would see the day that that would happen. But in this instance, I mean, what if Nintendo all of a sudden comes out of the woodwork and doesn't want to be left out of all of the acquisition goodness <laughs> and suddenly we want headlines. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, Oh yeah. By the way, uh, Sonic has now joined Mario. You're like, what? They got their what? homie handshake. It's insane, Steve. That is. Yeah. It's really insane. Yeah. Uh, some other questions I have is if Bungie remains multi-platform, mm. what does Sony gain from the deal? Because we have talked a little bit about, okay, they'll obviously are going to be like sharing profits and that sort of thing from sales of the games and stuff, regardless of whether they're exclusive or if they're multi-platform. However, is there anything else? Mm. And so I wrote down a few things. Um, I was thinking about how PlayStation Studios will also gain access probably to Bungie's proprietary tools, which can be used for PlayStation Studios teams. So like... You know, if there are other studios within the first party stable of Sony who like maybe for for instance, they just they really love the game engine that they've built with Destiny and they want to use it. They could they could do that. 
positions uh, them once again for a Sony Game Pass crossplay sales kind of situation, which again, honestly, is really not that far fetched given what, what we're seeing and what we're hearing. It's true. Exclusives to Sony. Of course. Even though they are touting the whole, like, we will continue to be multi-platform. You know they're going to make exclusives that are Content. just for Sony to provide mm, incentives. That's right. To be able to buy their console. Like, I mean, come on. Come on. But the, come on! But there's still the thing. Is, they're, they're, I, don't, I just don't see a lot of that happening. Because the, there's, like, hardly any markup in the console. They don't make their money by people buying their console. Like, right. The bulk of their money is not made. By people buying the console. Oh, Steve, you touch on something else. Is my am I playing footsie with you? Is my knee on your knee, Ross? Uh, no. no. How about now? Not. No, no. That's what happens when you're short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going now. <laughs> I like that, oh, Steve. Onward, Ross. What were you going to say? Well, we'll go ahead. That's all I had to say, Ross. Well, finish your thoughts. The content is where the money is. It's not the hardware, but it's, it's the software mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. that DLC. That's where the con- so they it, again. I made this point earlier. They can't say, "Oh, you have to buy our console to play this game." Because okay, great, you're you're limiting your two thirds of the market, Xbox and PC. And you're not going to get any money from anymore. Uh-huh. And they're like, "Oh, go ahead and buy our console, which is only marked up like fifteen percent." Yeah, that's that. You know. <laughs> They're not going to do that, Russ. They're, they might do that a, a little bit. I don't see them doing it a lot. You realize that you are alluding to something that you fear, don't you? And that is that there is a very clear and present possibility mm-hmm. that in the not-too-distant future, there could be no more physical consoles and that there may be something that can be piped into your very own TVs and that would be Game Pass. You still got to play with something, Russ. You still got to have something in your hand. That's true. To play with. But what if they, I mean, I mean, do you agree? I mean, if you think about the fact that, like, what if they were able to successfully go the route of Google Stadia with not having no. a console at all, they would, like, you know, provide a controller. Yeah, no, it's not going to But then... With the you know the the evolution of smart TVs being able to like be connected via Ethernet cable and everything else, and they can pipe uh-huh. in. It's I mean how how is that different from like a Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus? If you have basically like an Xbox app or mm-hmm. a Sony app, and you go in, you have a subscription to that, and then you, they have their whole library of games you can play. We've been over this, Russ. I know, but what I'm saying is, is I think. They're eventually going to figure out how to deal with all the latency issues, and suddenly that will become the reality. That's far in the future. Yes, eventually that'll happen. That's way down the line. Like how way down the line, Steve? uh, I would say 10 years. 10 years is not a long time, Steve. Well, it's a long time. You're right. But it's it's not exactly tomorrow now, is it? That's literally one generation cycle away, Mm. Steve. One. We're still Uno. we're still trying to figure out 5G for crying out loud. Not only that, we don't use 5G on the TVs. I'm just saying with the, with TVs, you you mentioned earlier, okay, what's the difference between like, you know, oh, Stadia and Netflix and stuff? I'll tell you, it's uh-huh. because you're only uploading something. You're uh-huh. not giving it constant commands where it has to like process all this stuff. Oh, I know. You're uploading one thing only and that's it and then push and play. 
That's all you're doing. If you had, if it was constant like feedback from millions of players, and and some server somewhere has to register all this on the game that you're playing, it's gonna bog it down and slow it down right. so much that it's not gonna be really fun to play anymore. Right. But my my theory is that they are going to figure out how to fix that. Mm-hmm. And 10 years may be the amount of time they need in order to fix that. So it's interesting to think about what it is that you just talked about with regards to whether or not they have exclusives or not, because they very well may be that the long game is they will in fact be multi-platform because of that type of setup where like, regardless of whether you're on your phone, your tablet, your TV, wherever it is that you want to play a game, they will then adopt this kind of Netflix type of app mm-hmm. approach and suddenly it doesn't matter anymore because you're playing games that are based off of, of a subscription platform. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about like that. I don't think I'll think about it. Throws the whole paradigm out the window in terms of the traditional way. <laughs> what else you got? Well, going back to if Bungie remains multi-platform, what does Sony gain from the deal? Mm. One of the last things I had written down was that it puts one of the best first-person shooter developers in Sony's camp, mm-hmm. which they need, mm-hmm. considering the fact that they acquired the Call of Duty developers. And it wasn't just one, it was all of them. So, you know, when you think about um, first-person shooters, oh, man, I can't really think of other FPS games on Sony that are exclusive. I can't either. It's all like third-party stuff, but that's not nothing exclusive. Because if you think about it, like Sony right now is known for its narrative games, which I, sure. I mean, we both love that. Yeah. But if you look outside of that, it's like, yeah. yeah, maybe they'll be able to to get some sort of mini exclusive deal with like Final Fantasy as an mm. RPG or something like that. But I mean, yeah. Microsoft though has <laughs> more of the the first-person shooters and RPGs at this point in time, anyway, just right. really locked up. So again, that was a really good move on Sony's part to be able to shore up like, you know, one of the top tier talents for FPS. So that way they will always have one of those being able to represent I me. Mean, it was a great move. The whole yeah, thing was sense. great. Yeah. Finally, the question I have is how will Sony's culture impact Bungie's culture? What do you think, Steve? I don't think it will. Not at all. Not not very much, no. Because you know how Bungie has been getting some bad press um, about how there's, there's there's kind of a toxic work culture. They sure. overwork their employees. Uh-huh. They're getting burned out, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Sony being this, this much larger entity will have any kind of sway in terms of like how they are able to manage that better? Or do you think they'll just be completely hands off, let them do whatever they do and not have any kind of um, new accountability? I don't, I think they'll probably release some statements and some like rules or something. But I mean, the reason they're getting involved is not because they want to shake things up and, and, and change everything. <laughs> you know, they're just saying, Hey, you're a moneymaker. We want a piece of that. Pie. You're coming over here. You're shaking my monkey tree again. 
I mean, they might <laughs> shake the apple tree to get some apples, but I mean, eventually they're going to want, they're going to continue letting the apple tree grow because if they just dig it up and be like, oh, my tree now, and they take it with them, well, the tree's probably just traumatized and probably not going to produce that much fruit. But if you go, hey, this is a great tree. I want to buy the property this tree is growing on and just keep on fertilizing it so it makes more fruit. To me, that makes a lot of sense, Russ. Indeed. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, now Sony's not going to want the bad press. No. But, I mean, I doubt they're going to come over there and be just, like, totally looking over everybody's shoulder. Who would you say? Oh, what's going on over there? <laughs> they misinterpret interpret that. And, you know, I don't, I just, I don't see it. I do wonder, though, and this is not limited to Sony, but in terms of Xbox as well, with all of these acquisitions that they're making. Yeah, I know. Because if you think about, like, the bad press from Activision and Blizzard. <sighs> um, Excuse me. Comfortable over here. When it comes to that, though, I think that there is a hope or a desire from not only the employees that work there, but also several folks who work just generally in the gaming industry about Mm -hmm. how there will be some oversight. There will be kind of a reorg that occurs that is for the better, that is healthy, that does address these issues, hopefully once and for all. But, um, you know, when you reach a certain size, I do think certain maturity starts to, to come into play. Not always like that. I mean, even with larger entities and that sort of thing, then that presents a whole host of new issues that like say, for instance, a developer didn't have before. So, I mean, it's a growing pains process, but I think at the end of the day, I think the employees are just, they're wanting security. They're wanting stability. They want to be able to make the games that they love to make and do so in an environment that fosters and supports their creativity as well as, as their safety and well being. Stability is good, Russ. It is. It is a very good thing. Do you have any uh, final thoughts, Steve? No, Russ. I think we pretty much covered everything. We've lathered it. At least until the mm. next merger. Oof. Mm. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it continues financially helping us doing the show. Also, make sure you click on that subscribe button and click on that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm. It drops once a week every week. And while you're at it, do a search for at Joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. We're on just about all of them. We definitely would love to have you be added to our Joygasm family. We have all kinds of little fun little pics and videos that we like to put up there that are pretty adorable. Last but not least, make sure you do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see a streamer or gaming adventures live every 9.30 p.m. Central Time. Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday indeed. We will look forward to hanging out with all of you again next week.